so much of this has to do with maturity that this week is going to be our last session. So if you missed any of them or you want to go back, I know there was a lot in each week, but God is preparing his bride. He's making us mature. It starts with you and me, each of us becoming mature, and then each of us knowing our role in our families and becoming mature in our role in our families and our, and our families becoming healthy. And then our families being healthy in this context makes us a healthy church family, and we learn to relate to one another in a healthy way. Establishing your family in the faith, in sound doctrine, in truth, always happens within church community. Can't do it outside church family. It's not biblical. There's a widely taught uh, thing, a, a doctrine. I don't know if it would be considered a doctrine, but a, a, a fallacy that says you can have God on your own, in your home, personal relationship with him, and you're good. It's not biblical. It's not his design. It's not what was taught all throughout scripture. And Western Christianity has done a real disservice by preaching this gospel that is independent and individualistic, that everybody, you just have your personal relationship with God and you're good. That's not the gospel. And that's not the teaching in the New Testament. All of the teaching was done in context of community because when someone got saved and baptized, they were saying, I am now part of this new community of believers that follow the Jesus way. And we're actually marked by our way of speaking. We're marked by our way of living. People can tell that we're different because we in this community all live abiding by the same principles, a way of life that was taught to us by our leader, Jesus, by our Lord, Jesus, and passed down to the apostles and church leaders. But we've come very far from this teaching and this understanding, but it's, it's all throughout scripture. And it's because it's a picture of something. It's not for no reason. It's not just haphazard. God just made it this way because he doesn't want people to be independent, individualistic. No, he has a master plan and he's a very detailed God and he laid it out very clearly through scripture what his plan is. His plan is the church to reach the world, right? That the goal is salvation for souls that men and women would come to know Jesus and his saving grace, and that is through the church. Plan A, no plan B. So the way that you order your marriage matters, the way that you order your household matters, and the way that you uh, relate to your children matter. Because that's what it means to be in a church family. Not coming to Sunday for two hours. That's not church. That's Western Christianity that's just produced individualistic, independent believers who come to a service once a week to check off a duty and say, I'm done. It's a disservice because it's you know, what, what's going to happen when all these believers stand before the Lord? I don't know. I'm not the judge. But is that, was that what he desired? No. And we've been teaching and perpetuating it generation after generation 
it's time to come back. He, he laid out a plan through the Apostle Paul. Paul says it in Ephesians 3 that he was given the revelation of the mystery, which is the church, and how to administrate it, what the household order is. And he says that the church is the plan, that this has a, everything rests on the church. In 1 Timothy 3, he says, the church is the pillar and the support of the truth, 1 Timothy 3. Pretty important. Do you think that's just a Sunday service for two hours? Is the pillar in the support of all truth? No, it's a way of life. It's a way, and then he lays it out. How husbands relate to their wives, how wives relate to their husbands, how parents relate to their children and vice versa. And then this is a picture like we talked about last week between the marriage. What's the marriage picture of? What's it to reflect? Jesus and the church. It says that he is the bridegroom and the church is his bride. And in Ephesians 5, Paul even says multiple times in the instructions to husbands and wives in their roles, he keeps pointing it back. And this is what Jesus looks like with his church. He says, I'm not, I'm not even speaking. This is a great mystery, husbands and wives. I'm speaking of Christ in the church. And he keeps going back and forth between the two because God isn't chauvinistic. He didn't just say, I like men better. Oh, yeah, they're the head of the church. They get to make all the decisions. We have, because of the feminist movement in our culture, this mindset, you say submit, and I say, no way. I am woman, hear me roar. And it's deeply ingrained in us because of everything we're fed through society, through media, through movies, to, for that to just come up. No, you will not say. And, and then we have men who, that's the responsibility. There's a heavy weight of responsibility to lead your family, to make decisions, to lead them and mature them. And men have, it's like, oh, yes, I'll sit in the passenger seat because that's a heavy responsibility. She seems to want to lead. I'll let her make the decisions. It will be one big happy family because we don't step on anybody's toes. That's not the model. That's not the way God designed it. That's the way our culture has perpetuated it from generation to generation. It's gotten worse and worse and worse. And the church has fallen right into the model of the world because it feels good to us. And it's time to reorder because the beauty, the wonder that our marriages are actually displaying to spiritual principalities that Jesus is the bridegroom, the head of his church, and we are his bride, and he's making us ready. He's leading us. So our marriages have a supernatural spiritual dynamic to them that it's not just, oh, we have to submit to these roles. No, we're displaying to the principalities in the air a re constant reminder of Jesus and his bride. And that there's a marriage supper of the lamb that's coming. This is, he this is so much bigger than, oh, I got to submit to my husband. So much bigger than that. And if we can see it in that way, we can reorder ourselves. And we can start to see things clarity. It, clearly. It's a paradigm. It is a mindset. It's a way of thinking. So if we hear these teachings, I mean, I, I'm speaking myself. Joe says that all the time, but it's true. Because 
where I, I'm speaking these paradigms. I understand the paradigm. I see it in Scripture. I'm still reordering my life around the truth. There's always more for it. So if you're hearing these like, oh, yeah, we got that. We're that way. No, you've missed it. Because culturally, the paradigms that we've received from the culture are deeply ingrained in us. Sometimes it takes other people to rub against us the wrong way to help bring those things up. Or sound doctrine group for the questions to start bringing those mindsets to the surface. Oh, really? Your husband's the head how? What does that look like? How is that playing out for you? Right? That th these are the types of questions that get down to the nitty-gritty of are we actually doing this? And it's not because of just, oh, the Bible says. Yes, true, we need to match up to what the Bible says, but there's something so much greater behind it that should get us excited, like, yes, let's reorder our lives around this truth because it's displaying a picture. So today we're talking about parents and children, and, and we're going to be in Ephesians 6. Oh, sorry, I've got to open right up there. So parents and children, what's the picture? What's that to reflect? Anybody? All right, parents and children, family is a picture of God's family. He's our father, we are his children. 1 John 3, 1. Oh, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called his children, and that we are. Okay, this is a family model. He's a father, we're his children, and Jesus is our brother. Scripture relates that to us. It says in Romans 8, 29, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Hebrews 2, 11 through 12. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father. The one who sanctifies, who is Jesus, and those who are sanctified are all from one Father. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. Jesus, regularly, a handful of times in the New Testament, says, I'm not ashamed to call you my brother or my sister. We have one father. I'm proud to be called your brother, your sister. It's a model. It's a picture. So parents and children... This relationship is not for no reason. <laughs> These instructions are not for no reason. It's not like, man, I'm a Christian, I have to do this stuff. No, it's displaying to principalities the reality that God is our Father, we are his children. It's to reflect that and then to be mirrored in the church with elders who are parents in the home and the community of believers, the family. That's the mirroring in the church. All right, so there's a lot of pictures happening. God's a God of pictures. He's pointing to all of these models. 
So there is an actual model with principles that can be followed for how parents should be and how their children should be. Amazing. He didn't leave it up to us to figure it out. So awesome. So in Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord as his representatives. Right? They're representing him as father. Children, obey your parents in the Lord as his representatives, for this is just and right. Honor, esteem, and value as precious your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That's from the Ten Commandments, okay? That all may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not irritate or provoke your children to anger. Don't exasperate them to resentment. But rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and counsel and admonition of the Lord. Some clear, clear roles. Let's talk about children first. Children. 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 We're all children here, right? We all have parents, but children. Obey your parents, your mother and your father, as the Lord's representative. It's not the other way around. Parents are not to obey their children. Children, obey your parents. It's a very clear principle because it's reflecting. Remember the picture. It's reflecting Father God and his children, which is us. Does God obey us? Whoo, fear of the Lord on that, no way. Right? Oh, God, you better not strike me with lightning, right? <laughs> it's like, no, he doesn't obey us. We don't command God. Whoo, we come in the fear of the Lord. He's our father, we obey him. It's a picture. But our culture has painted this Actually, very recently in the past generation, child-led rearing. Oh, I'm just going to follow my child and how they demonstrate they should be, you know, disciplined and led and grown. I'm just going to follow them. I think it's called soft parenting or something. It has some name in, in this generation. There's a literal... Um, model and principles of parenting from the culture. Do we want to be learning how to our parent our children by the culture when God has given us clear instructions on what it's supposed to look like to reflect who he is with his church and be a constant uh, mouthpiece just by the way we interact with one another to the principalities in spiritual places. I mean, we're doing spiritual warfare by having family. That's awesome, <laughs> right? It's like we think spiritual warfare is just yelling at demons all day, and I'm going to bind this and bind that, and maybe there, I mean, there is spiritual warfare like that, but there's spiritual warfare that's, hey, me loving my spouse, respecting, honoring him, and actually teaching my children and raising them up in the Lord. My duty, that's spiritual warfare because it's doing something into the air. And you'll know because it's so countercultural, you're going to get pushed back from all around you. You think that that's just the culture, it's also spiritual realities. 
pushing back against family and against God's design. It's very important. So we have this idea, let my child lead. I'll follow them in their desire for education and what they want to do in the house and all they choose to do. And it sounds so free, right? Oh, just like, ooh, happy. Like, oh, I'll just let them do what, what they want to do. But that's how deception works. <laughs> it makes it sound like it's good. It doesn't sound totally off. But it doesn't align with truth or the picture that God uh, of God treating his children, how he relates to us as children. It, it, think of Romans 8 for a second. It says, all who are led by ourselves, no, all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, children of God, right? All those who are led by the Spirit. There's actually a, a, a marking of the children of God that says we're led by the Spirit of God. We don't just do what we want to do. It's the same in the household. Children just don't do what they want to do. Shouldn't. Children in the house shouldn't. Obey your parents. It's likened to what we talked about last week in marriage and culture. Men have a huge responsibility in their families. And what we see in the culture is the promotion of a female lead and a male passivity. Okay, that's, I mean, it strikes the heart because it's just, it's pervasive all around us. And it's not for nothing. There's spiritual warfare around this. There's a reason why the culture is constantly speaking. I am woman, hear me roar, and men go to the back. Don't you speak, don't you say anything, don't you stand up, don't you lead. Because if you take any role of authority, you're going to be looked at as chauvinistic, as macho or domineering or whatever the world might say. This is against God's design. It's against God's design for children. It specifically says fathers train your children? Of course, we know mothers spend a lot of time with the children and are teaching them a lot of things. So I'm not saying, oh, you know, mothers step back. I'm not, obviously, I believe in strong women leaders. <laughs> I, I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed to that. But I am opposed to what the culture says should be happening in the home that does not align with what scripture says or what scripture is admonishing. It says, Fathers, don't irritate or provoke your children to anger, but rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and counsel and admonition of the, of the Lord. Specifically, there's a role for fathers in the home to train, to discipline. Fun. Fun, right? Discipline. <laughs> you know, discipline is important in your household with your children, not just because, I mean, number one, it's loving to them, but most importantly, the Father disciplines those he loves so that we could grow into mature sons and daughters. It's a reflection of who he is, what he does. If you're in a home that's like, we don't, uh, we don't really do discipline here, that's not the biblical model. Just read Proverbs. <laughs> It's all throughout Scripture because it's to model something. It's to reflect something. It's to demonstrate something. 
there's, this is exactly what the culture is teaching. Parents have a huge responsibility to lead and train their children, and yet it's been flip-flopped. I mean, think about an extreme example today. A 10-year-old can choose their gender or, or younger. A and the parent, which is expected in many states and all around the country, the parent is supposed to say, oh, yeah, we need to let them be them whatever they want to be. That's what the culture, that's where we are in culture right now. Do you realize that? That is so, the fear of the Lord should grip us in that. It's gotten so far that children are choosing their own identities, their gender. That's how far from truth we are right now. Young ones and parents are taking a backseat role because of government because of policies to say, okay, you know, I don't want to rock the boat. They say that we have to, so this is where we need the fear of the Lord. God is so much higher than our governments in this age. We're to lead our children, not the other way around. We're to to instruct them, to guide them, to help them to understand who they are, who God is, to raise them up in that instruction. That is the role of a parent with their child, and it's very important. It's not the other way around. And it's important for us to be able to recognize where culture may have seeped in in any place because these stark examples are like, oh, no way, would I ever allow that? Well, there might be a lot more subtleties you know, where culture has seeped in. We've got to allow the truth to just shine a light into those areas. It goes on to say, honor for children. Landon, Amy, Kiara, I'm, I'm speaking specifically to you, but all of us, I mean, we, if you have parents still, honor, esteem, and value as precious your father and mother. Now, I know for children, uh, young teens, I remember being a teenager, probably like around 15, 16, in my mother's house, and I did not honor my mother. And the funny thing was, I was so radical for Jesus at the same time. I went to every prayer meeting, every worship service, every youth group meeting, and I did not honor my mother. I, w I was missing a huge piece I missed understanding. And part of that for me at that time was because I wanted to appear godly. I wanted people to say, oh, wow, look how spiritual she is. Look how awesome she is, right? That was some of the underlying motivation in my life at that time. And because of that, when my mom would say, no, you can't do this, I, I, I dealt with so much anger, I would explode at her. I mean, I'm not the explosive type today because God has <laughs> delivered me from anger. Thank God. Thank God. for You should all be saying thank God. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't explode in anger, but I did as a teenager. I mean, I punched walls. That's how angry I would get at my mom when she would say, no, you can't do this. And, and what she, she would say, I remember one particular thing. She told me that I couldn't, I had been being rude to her can't remember the specifics, but I'd been being rude. And she said to me, you can't go to this prayer meeting from 10 to midnight in Lawrence. And I got so angry with her. And I went up to my room, and I started throwing things around. I wanted to go to a prayer meeting, right? So this is all whacked out anyway. 
I go out and I'm starting to throw things in my room and I'm punching the wall. Yeah, speaking with other demonic tongues. <laughs> it's like really bad, really bad tongues, yeah. And I'm yelling, I hate you, mom. It was the one time in my life I said, I hate you, and I have repented so many times since because it's like, ugh, how did I do that? But something in us when we're teenagers, it's like this, <sighs> I just want to be whatever against my parents. But the scripture is very clear, honor esteem them and value them as precious. Now, that's really different than irritability and annoyance. Oh, my parents are so annoying. My parents are so frustrating. They don't understand me. They don't know anything. Well, yes, are your parents do know a lot more than you do at teenage years. They do. But to esteem them, to honor them, it's a different mindset than saying, you don't understand, mom. You don't understand, dad. It's saying, mom, dad, this is what I'm dealing with. What do you think? Can you help me out with this? I'm sure you've been through some stuff. It might not have been the same, but I'm sure you have some thoughts for me. What should I do in this situation? How can I deal with this emotion? The enemy does not want you to do that with your parents, especially as a teenager. And that's why there's this constant barrier to try to stay apart. No, I'm never going to ask my parents for anything. I'm never going to tell them anything. I'm never going to talk with them on that level. Nope. They don't know anything. You think that that's from God? It is not. It is not. God, God uh, is always inviting for us to have deeper relationship with our parents, especially while we're in their homes. And the promise is, this is the first commandment. So the Ten Commandments were given, and this was the first commandment with an actual promise attached to it. And the promise was that you may live long on the earth and that all may be well with you. That's an amazing promise. That's an amazing promise that all may be well with you. What? That all may be well with you. I get, oh wait, so all I have to do is obey my parents, honor them, and I'm going to live a long life and all will be well with me? amazing promise it's like the father saying trust me i know it's hard but listen to this promise you want to do this all will be well with you and this is i mean uh, i understand this looks different as you grow up and go out of your house right um example in brazil when i was a missionary in brazil there were brazilian missionaries at the ywam base and many of them had this, this trouble with the scripture because several of them had parents that said, no, we do not want you on the mission field. It is not right for you to be a missionary. The parents, well, some were saved even, saying, that, no, you need to go to school instead. And these kids would be like, but I, the Bible says I need to obey my parents. Right? It's like, okay, I get your desire, but that's, and you're out of your house, honor them. 
You need to obey the Lord and what he's calling you to do. And parents are not called to continue to command their children to do things into adulthood <laughs> either, right? There's a, there's a change that happens when your children become adults and leave your house. When they're in your house, under your authority, they're under your authority. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He sent out his, uh, his disciples, his apostles, to go do what he was doing. And he didn't control them in that way. But it's how the Father also treats us. You're a new believer. He gives you very specific things. The older you get, then he starts to say, hey, choose. Right? I, I mean, that's my experience. When I was younger in the Lord, it was like, okay, I'm going to make this specific step and this specific step. Then the more I learned his voice, the more I grew, the older I got. Wow, okay, Lord, what should I do? He's like, you choose. You can do either or. Like, whoa, responsibility. I'm, I'm feeling like got some responsibility here. It's the same way in the family. There comes a time where you still honor your parents. Like, for instance, I came back from the mission field before I got married to Tom. I was living at my mom's house for two years. While I was at my mom's house, I was on the apostolic team in Wyndham, and there was a lot of stuff. I was still working in Haiti, still going to Brazil, doing trips to China, so it was very busy. But I was at my mom's house, and she's a single woman, huge house, no children at home, and I was living there, and I'm thinking, I need to honor her. How can I honor her? This is a priority. Scripture says, how can I honor her in this situation? And that honor for her looked like me just cleaning the house, doing the dishes, unloading the dishwasher without her asking, without question, blessing her. And I would prioritize that either by having to wake up extra early to do that, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to get up early because I know she hates to unload the dishwasher. I'm going to get up early and I'm going to unload the dishwasher before I have my time with the Lord. It's honor. Simple. It's not, it doesn't have to be some huge thing. There are different ways that we can honor our parents, esteem them, value them as precious, love them in the times that we're with them. I mean, think about this. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees strongly for taking care of man-made traditions rather than taking care of their parents. Do you remember this? Matthew 15, 1 through 9. I'm going to read it real quick because it's, it's the picture. He's there's a reason. He says, some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. Okay. <laughs> That was the commandment. He who speaks evil of father or mother is put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever I would have that could help you has to be given to God. He's not to honor his father or his mother. And by this, you invalidated the word of God for the sake of your traditions. You hypocrites. Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. The people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me, but in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. 
So Jesus is saying here, they, you know, they were, they were to bring offerings. The Pharisees were telling people, if the money you have, your parents need it, you need to actually give it to God instead to honor him. Well, that money, I mean, there was a lot of gross evil happening around that too because money was being taken and used for them. But anyway, the Pharisees are saying, whatever you have, this money for, instead of helping your parents, give it to, it'd be like saying today, give it to the church instead. Your parents can't eat, don't have a place to stay, are in desperate need. You know what the Bible says? You're to help them. You're to help support them, to give them what they need. Hey, that's a pretty big instruction. And Jesus said, because he's not looking for lip service. He's looking for real life action. I don't care if you're saying I'm giving this to God. I don't care if you come to church every Sunday. Your parent is in need and you're not helping them. You're invalidating the word of God. He's taking it very seriously. Why? It's a reflection of a picture. It's very serious, his model, what he's laid out. He wasn't looking for outward religious acts to prove maturity. He looked for obedience from a heart of love, not sacrifice. So children, you have a very clear, clear instructions for your parents right now as you're in their households to obey them, to honor them, to respect them, to esteem them as valuable. And these are instructions from the Lord that, that will produce life in your relationship with your parents. It will produce great life and actually joy and peace and rest. And anything that's against that, anything that says, no, don't tell your parents, no, push back, you can know that's from culture and the enemy and it's going to produce strife and anxiety and heaviness and depression in your life. It's not God's design. God's design produces life and it produces joy and peace on the inside. We can trust his design. Parents, it says, the instruction to parents, I know I uh, jumped into this, but it says, uh, in the beginning, the children are to obey their parents, both mom and dad, right? So mom and dad are giving instructions, again, for ages living within the household, still under the authority and guardship. Fathers are specifically training them tenderly in the discipline and counsel and admonition of the Lord. And again, like I said before, it's important to give this correction and discipline because it's teaching them, number one, to receive it from you, then they'll be able to receive it from others. They'll be able to receive it from God. Very important. It's not just, oh, obey me because. It's teaching a life principle of correction and discipline. That they'd be able to hear it all throughout their life and respect people in authority. Honor people in authority, right? And honor God and respect God. It's very important. Don't provoke them to anger, fathers specifically. So why is it important for parents to not control, be overbearing, or do everything for their child? They won't thank you so much, Bobby. Woohoo, mom in the house. This stops at a very 
or should stop at a very early age, right? That the parent's just doing everything. That's an infant where the parent has to do everything. The baby can't change its own diaper, feed himself, or anything. But then as a child grows, you're, well, you start putting food on their plate, and they start eating it themselves, <laughs> right? If you, no joke, I know someone that is a teenager, and her parents will, she's 18, not just, not a young, I, I mean, any age teenager, but anyway, 18 years old, her, her parents will not let her cut her own food. They cut it for her. No joke. And that's an extreme. I'm giving some extreme examples. But this is, this is a reality. It's, it's not teaching them to be able to do anything. They're not learning anything. It's important for, for parents to allow their kids to start doing things on their own, giving them boundaries to help them learn and grow in, correcting and disciplining as they maybe make a mistake. Hey, it's okay. This is the right way. You know, there's, that's all reflecting the father. It's all a picture. Yeah. This is with children under your authority in your household. It's so important because you're teaching them ultimately to obey God, submit to authority, live respectfully with others, honor God, honor authority, honor the family, brothers and sisters, both natural and, and spiritual. It has major ramifications for every part of their life. Major. It's going to affect every part. And it's to display who God is, ultimately, to display who he is as father, and we his children, his family, Jesus our brother. I mean, think about our relationship with Jesus as brother, as a model. How would you treat Jesus as your sibling? I'd be washing his feet, <laughs> right? Doing everything for him. This is a picture of how we love one another. Landon, feel free to, s to wash Kiara's feet, or vice versa. <laughs> he just shakes his head no. Serving one another, though. I mean, honestly, that's the picture of Jesus. He washes our feet, right? Our brother, Jesus, washed the disciples' feet, and we also respond in love to him in service. That's the sibling relationship right there. That's the model. When you look at your sibling, think of Jesus, who he is. What would he do for them? How would he treat them? How would he talk to them? These are just key principles of how we're to relate parents and children, children and parents. And I think it's so important, again, to be aware of what's the cultural influence here in my life? In my parenting, have I just been reading on social media how people do it? Because <laughs> that's going to influence you in a way. Or are we looking at the scripture and saying, Lord, how do I do this? <laughs> Teach me. Teach me how to be a mom. Teach me how to be a dad. Teach me. And if you're, if you're a parent to adult children, teach me. Teach me how to be a parent to them. Teach me how to love them well. So what maturity requires? We're just ending here for the day and for the whole series. Whoa. But what, what maturity requires? These are all principles that require maturity that press us in to be mature 
You'll know if you're a mature person and believer specifically when you're walking in these principles. Okay? More and more and more. There will be growing pains and tension. Okay, as a start. <laughs> you want to change your life to be reordered around the order that God has given us and the model that he's given us? Be ready. I'm telling you, there's going to be tension <laughs> and growing pains because the culture is pushing back, maybe mindsets or models that we've seen in our parents, in our grandparents, in the people around us have affected us more than we realize. So there's going to be tension, this Oh, okay, I have to change the way I'm doing things because it's not like this. It's not like this. Husbands, I need to lead my family. Ugh. Wives, I need to submit. I need to zip a lip at times and let him lead. Submit to his lead leadership. Yeah, leadership, that's a word. I was going to say lordship, and that would have been really weird. <laughs> Submit to his lordship. I was just called Tommy Lord. Lord Tommy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sarah and Abraham, master, right? And Lord. Yeah, Lord Tommy, what can I do? No, don't do that. Their, their heads might get too big. They are the head, right? We don't want the head to get too big. <laughs> Uh, but there will be some growing pains. You're going to have to make some changes to the way we're doing things, the way you relate to your spouse. I mean, those are some hard things. Tommy and I are constantly looking at these things to say, okay, what do we need to change? What do I need to change? What does he need to change? How can we develop in these roles better? Because we want to we display something into the spiritual atmosphere that's going to have power and authority to tear down strongholds. I mean, that's our goal. And remember, iron sharpens iron. So get around community, get around people, get in the sound doctrine groups, let people challenge you, question you. I know that causes the tension, <laughs> but it's good because it's bringing up the stuff, right? It's good. Waiting, maturity requires waiting. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time, experience, and, and sometimes a little pressure, like a pressure cooker, right? You're just letting that tension happen. It takes time. Humility. You will not grow if you don't go low. You will not grow if you don't go low. It requires us to acknowledge, I don't have it all together. <laughs> That's humility. Oh, yeah. I, I see the truth. I recognize this is truth, but wow, I'm not there yet. First step, acknowledge. <laughs> What prevents us from growing and hearing and learning is lack of humility because we think we know it all already and have already arrived, and that's a dangerous place to be. It doesn't matter how old you are. We should all be growing until we die, okay? We should all be maturing, learning until we die. And then community. Maturity requires community. It does not happen on your own. If you're always alone, you'll definitely think you're mature. Everything else surfaces in relationship. If you're just doing your own family life thing by yourself, how, how will you ever know if something's off? No one sees it. You're just like, oh, we feel good like this. It's not until you rub shoulders with someone else and then you say, wow, okay, they look a little different than we do or 
You know, you start to see things in a different light. It requires community. Remember the scripture where Peter's in Peter where it says, we're a wall of living stones being built together? Okay, I'm, not, I'm just an individual stone. You're an individual stone. We can't make a beautiful wall unless we're together. And those stones get cemented together. I've seen it in Haiti, building those homes. I've done it. They get cemented, stuck <laughs> together. That's community. We're being built into this wall of living stones. You can't escape me. I can't escape you. And we're going to grow together. Woohoo! Thank God for all the beautiful people in the room. And then lastly, discipleship. It requires discipleship. Get around people who are more mature than you, that are going to challenge you to run harder, inspire you, motivate you, talk to you straight when you need to be talked to straight. Get around people who will do that, who will love you enough to do that. That's discipleship. Each one of us, I mean, we'll start making our own disciples. We should be making disciples, influencing pouring into the next generation, those younger than us, those around us. But how am I being discipled as well? I'm going to continue to grow and be discipled and have, and then get to a place where you're at least with accountability with fellow leaders, right? Where there's just, there's love, mutual love and respect and honor, and you can talk straight to one another. It's protection. That's how we mature together as a body. It requires these things. And I want to encourage everyone to continue to look at these things in your life, these principles, the model. It's very important, very clear how we're to be living, how we're supposed to order our families. And it's not just, hey, everyone, every man for himself. No, God has a model. I can't say it enough. And since this is the last week, I'm going to say it five times. God has a model. 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 He has a plan. Okay? <laughs> okay? <laughs> and we're going to be countercultural, which is exciting. I don't know about you, but I want to be countercultural. I want to shine in the culture today. And that means pulling away from it as far as the way I live, the way I talk, the way I think, the way I relate to people. Not going to be like the culture. We're going to be like the model that God has given us. Amen? So, Father, I just thank you so much that you've given us clear, clear instructions on what it looks like to be your family, what it looks like to be mature believers, and how we can come into that maturity. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God, for the model. And I pray, Father, for each family that's part of this family, I pray, God, that you would help us to order our lives around these truths, to, to come into alignment with what we see in Scripture. Father, I pray that you would help us to see any place in us that's not in alignment. Father, give us vision and excitement to reorder our lives, that it wouldn't be burdensome or frustrating, but that we would be excited to change the way we're living for what it's going to do in the spiritual realm, for what power it's going to release, for what authority it's going to release. Father, give us your vision. Give us your eyes that we could see and that we could pursue this 
wholeheartedly as a community, each and every one of us, Father, and that you would continue to build us into that wall of living stones that's displaying your beauty to the world and displaying your power to principalities and heavenly places. We thank you for it, God, that you've made it so simple that we can all understand it and walk in it and live in it and tear down strongholds with family. We love you so much. In Jesus